We are delighted that this episode of Starts at the Top is sponsored by Avato CRM Solutions. Avato CRM Solutions designs and delivers award-winning customer service, business process outsourcing, and digital and intelligent automation solutions for some of the world's most respected brands, as well as innovative charity and public sector clients. They partner with clients to help them define their customer experience and transformation strategies by implementing the right technology, people and processes to improve their customer journey while driving new efficiencies and helping them prepare for the future. To find out more about how Avato CRM solutions could help an organization like yours and to receive a free no obligation chat, visit avato.co.uk forward slash Wales Air Ambulance. Welcome. We are very excited to be here today for this special Digital Leaders Week live recording of Starts at the Top, our podcast about leadership, digital and change. I'm Zoe Ammer. And I'm Paul Thomas. Um, as Zoe said, our podcast aims to bring you interviews with leaders from the public, private and third sector who are using digital to forge a path to the future. And today, We'll be joined and talking to Wales Air Ambulance Charity and Avato CRM Solutions about how emerging technologies can supercharge your digital transformation. We'll be hearing how Wales Air Ambulance Charity used automation and AI to improve the donor and supporter experience to save time, save money, uh, which is always good in these endeavours, and improve ways of working, developing staff skills along the way. So Zoe, do you want to introduce our guests? Yes, we're very excited to be joined by James Stevens, who's Director of Finance and Commercial Services at Wales Air Ambulance Charity. Mark Stevens from the same charity, who's the Head of Fundraising there. And Mike Stewart, who's Intelligent Automation Practice Lead at Avato CRM Solutions. James, Mark and Mike, welcome to Starts at the Top. Welcome. Hi, everyone. Great to Thank you here. both. Lovely to have you all here today. Uh, so can we start just by hearing a bit more about Wales Air Ambulance Charity? James, can you tell us a bit more about what your charity does? Yeah, of course. Um, but the Wales Air Ambulance delivers uh, life-saving advanced medical care to the people um, across Wales. Our service runs 24-7, um, so it's available whenever and wherever people need us. Um, the easiest way probably to describe our service is a flying emergency department. Um, so like lots of other air ambulances in the UK, um, we have onboard consultants, critical care practitioners who essentially deliver emergency standard care, emergency department standard care to the patient at the scene. Um, so, so in terms of the organisation that we are, you know, we are a charity. We work in partnership with the NHS. Uh, we have four helicopters and a fleet of uh, rapid response vehicles. Uh, and, and we are reliant really on charitable donations and the public's generosity to keep that service running to, you know, to, to raise the 11 million um, or grow in the 11, 11 million plus now of, um, of, of donations to, to, to really keep our helicopters in the air and our rapid response vehicles, um, you know, traveling across wheels. So, um, 
yeah, that, that's that's the charity in a in a very small uh, short window. Lovely, thanks, James. And Mike, do you want to just introduce a bit more about um, Avato CRM um, and your yeah. involvement? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so uh, my name is Mike Stewart. Uh, as um, Zoe said, I'm the Intelligent Automation Practice Lead at Avato and have been for the past uh, 10 years. Um, Avato CRM Solutions designs and delivers award-winning customer service, business process outsourcing, and digital and intelligent automation solutions for some of the, the world's most respected brands, um, as well as you know, for charity and, and public sector clients, um, including local and central government. Um, we partner with our clients just like we have done with Wales Air Ambulance to, to help them define their customer experience and transformation strategies by implementing the, the right technology to work with the people and processes to improve their customer journey uh, whilst driving new efficiencies and, and helping them prepare for the future. Great, thank Fantastic. You. Thanks, Mike. Really helpful background from both of you there. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to dig in and find out a bit more about the work that you did together, how you used emerging tech to solve some of the um, challenges and also meet some of the opportunities that you are facing as well. Um, and just to say to our delegates today, there will be some time uh, for you to um, ask questions of the panel. Please feel free to pop those uh, in the Q&A section, which you'll see below, uh, and we'll make sure that we pick those up in about half an hour or so, so you have time to um, hear what the panel think about all your questions. So let's begin at the beginning then. Um, can we hear a bit from you, James? So obviously there was this big problem that you were trying to solve before you embarked on your journey with emerging tech. What was that problem? How was it holding you back as an organisation? Yeah, sure. So the charity runs an in-house lottery um, department. So, so our lottery um, function is the, the largest earner for the charity. So we generate upwards of £7 million per annum um, from that income stream alone. So it's essentially members of the public paying a sub subscription to enter into our weekly prize draws. Um, so, so in recent years, you know, our memberships have grown from 45000 to 140000 as of last month. And, you know, that with that sort of growth in membership, you know, leads to a growth in activity levels and a lot more work and volume of work then for the for the team in-house to, to manage and, and get through. Um, but what we found was there was a real significant lack of resilience um, in, in, in the team generally. So we had a, a lot of reliance on key individuals um, and, and where those individuals perhaps are on leave or, you know, um, you know, for, for whatever reason, we're off, uh, off, off work and not available, then it really would put a lot of pressure on those sort of filling in for them, um, who, of course, you know, were not sort of lottery administration team members and, and, and were in that position then of, of trying to run, you know, the, the largest income stream for the charity. So, so there was a lot of risk associated with it. And, and for me, you know, of all of the income streams for the charity and all of the sort of business functions, it was that one area that sort of kept me kept me awake at night. Um, so aside from that lack of resilience within the, the business, there was a lot of manual time consuming processes. So these were done across two different platforms, which, you know, had that extra layer of complexity. 
Um, and, and, you know, with that time consuming process, the manual processes, you know, leads those individuals involved in that department then um, into a position where they don't have much time afforded to other activities, perhaps more value added activities where, you know, be that engaging with supporters, um, you know, looking at opportunities to, to grow membership, reduce our attrition rates and that sort of thing. So, um, so you know, between the lack of resilience, you know, the, the time consuming processes and the significant cost as well, I should also mention, in administering. So not only was it sort of um, a, an area where there, there was a lot of hands-on manual work, but the, the, the cost involved in generating the, 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 the new member letters, we did a lot of postage. So, you know, we were looking at, you know, our processes and thinking, you know, why are we still sending letters to individuals that had to consent to email? Um, but we really had problems with actually delivering that. So, so the systems that we had, you know, the functionality within them really struggled to move across then from, from the, you know, the standard letter uh, templates and printing of letters and postage to move across to email. So that was a real challenge. And what it led to essentially is us continuing to do the same processes and, and, and generating upwards of 500 letters per week that, you know, were, were printed and, and posted. So a significant cost burden as well as, you know, the time involved in, in administering really. Um, so, so that was really the core problem. Um, and, and as I say, we saw opportunities out there that we could sort of develop our lottery income stream, develop the, um, you know, a strategy around growing our membership and reducing cancellations, but just really not having the time to deliver on some of those objectives. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when we spoke a few weeks ago, you told me about this very dedicated colleague of yours who was almost nervous about going on holiday, not because anyone was saying don't go on holiday, but they were so committed to what they were doing. They didn't want to leave their desk and not pick up these very manual processes that you had. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And you know, with, with it being so complex and, and so sort mm. of... Um, critical then so so a lot of these processes if they don't happen on a particular day um or a particular time then it causes that knock-on impact and potentially you know for example you know if the direct debit submission isn't done in time then you know there's there's a loss of income there so it's not just um you know the actual processing of members through the draw but it, you know there is a real financial risk here so so as you say yeah that that person that particular person was nervous about going off on leave and what we found difficult was to have many people in the business trained to be able to step in to replicate what she did um so so as much as we tried with a number of our staff you know what we realized was you know unless you're sort of living and breathing this and doing this day to day week to week then it's very difficult just to step in you know three four five times a year and, and take ownership of it from that person um who, who would normally be overseeing the process Absolutely. I can see why all of that was keeping you awake at, at night, James. Um, so, Mark, tell us what you then did with Avata. This was a big, chunky problem to solve, wasn't it? And it was creating some headaches for the team. It brought with it its own inefficiencies. What did you do with Avata and how did you go about it? Yeah, as James said, you know, we, we kind of knew this issue was, um, you know, bubbling away in the background for, for quite some time. And I think it's only when we started to um, conduct a, a full sort of strategic review um, and we realised, OK, we, digital transformation has to be one of our top priorities now to make us resilient for the future. 
um, in every aspect of our, of our organization, um, which sort of prompted the discussion and initial meeting with Avato. Um, and we were kind of led by them, um, you know, we were kind of new into this. Um, there is so many different platforms, so many different software solutions out there. And I think there's the, some of them do so many different things, but I think we wanted to go for something quite high level and something that's going to add a lot of resilience long-term. And, you know, we had an exploratory discussion, essentially, with Avato. Um, they came and talked to us in person, which was lovely. Um, we we kind of talked it through the whole process through with them. And it was a really nice experience because even talking, explaining it to someone who has no idea about the, the, the third sector from, from our business point of view uh, and our processes point of view, to talk that through from scratch and almost write it down. It almost reminds ourselves as well how labor intensive and how inefficient sometimes uh, the processes can can be. And you can almost go, you can blind yourself to a certain degree as well. Because if you just, if it becomes BAU and you're kind of just living and breathing this busyness in a department or in a role, and uh, you kind of get stuck into this routine of just being uh, transactional in your day-to-day -day work and approach, um, talking it through with someone like Avato was great because we can say, oh yeah, okay, we need to we need to adapt here. And then Avato, we were able to come back with a few solutions and there's obviously a myriad of solutions which they could come back to and whether they could manage it in-house. We went for a, an option where we could... Um, uh, yeah, have a few, couple of staff members trained up in Blue Prism to have a process that's set up by them and we can manage it going forward. So should we need to change and adapt it, we can do it ourselves instead of going back to Avato. So there was a whole host of different options and we chose what was right for us. Um, one of the critical points was to, of course, involve the staff from the very beginning as well and let them know what we're planning to do. Um, as as James said, I think that this 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 role it was a pivotal role and it was it wasn't just a case of being labor intensive it was also really like highly focused work it can't it wasn't just like a copy and paste you know a time consuming task it was also focus intensive because you know as a, you have to be focusing on what you're doing otherwise data entry errors would have a, have a myriad of problems you know in the future uh, so the poor staff member was really kind of you know struggling to kind of like do the day-to-day -day work and really focus hard and uh you know it wasn't just being bored at work it was almost just like being really burnt out a little bit as well so we we involved them from the start and they like i said live and breathe that job and they had high aspirations for years right and they they doing it day in day out they know what to do and what they want to suggest to do to improve you know our interactions with our supporters improve retention rates and reduce the churn etc um so we really sort of pitched it right and have to say to the staff members look this is what we want to do about introducing potential robotic process automation everyone's natural first instinct is i'm going to be out of a job a robot's going to take over the world and uh it's going to be me out of a job. We had to reassure them from the start that this is not the case, that they had such a wealth of experience. This is all about automating a process to put a personal touch on it because all the supporters that we have, this huge seven, eight million pound income stream, you know, it was the onboarding process was so lackadaisy and I think our ongoing communication with the supporters wasn't fantastic and that staff member wanted to do more of that work but just didn't have the time or capacity to do any of it so now we were able to sort of pitch it and say look 
let's implement something here that will free up your time to do some of this more meaningful work and create really special moments for our supporters. And uh, that's what really sort of brought the buy-in from the beginning. I really love that automating to bring a really personal touch to your supporters and that, you know, creating those special moments for supporters, how this technology can help you do more of that rather than, than less. Exciting. Cool. Yeah, I was just going to dig into that that change a bit. The the bit that often gets forget forgotten in these technology projects is you roll in a piece of technology and you think jobs are good, and but the people that actually operate it and use it kind of have this ingrained you know organisational operational muscle memory, don't they? Um, so what have you done? Have you have you found that um, you've had to to change habits within the the organisation? Has it been a, a sort of a tough sell to the rest of the organisation? I don't think it's it's a tough sell to the rest of the organization. I think it was, you know, as Mark said, you know, initially that, you know, that, that reaction from that particular staff member was, you know, with concern and worry. And, you know, this, this was new to the organization, you know, new, new to, to Mark and I even, you know, it's not something that we've done um, before at the charity or elsewhere. So, you know, it was understanding, you know, how how it could benefit us, how it, how it works, you know, in, in the first instance, because, you know, when somebody first comes in, you know, and in that conversation talks about RPA, you know, there, there is a, um, you know, a, a period of time then where you have to understand what that means and, you know, how it's effectively replicating then, um, you know, the, the, the human task then that's being carried out. And I think, you know, as we build up our knowledge, you know, you know, we were then able to deliver a more meaningful explanation to our staff, you know, and, and particularly within the lottery team. Um, so, so it was a, I would say not a difficult sell at first, but there was certainly a lot of concern there. Um, and I think until we dispelled some of those myths about what it would mean for that person and, and, and the others in the team, but their roles in day to day, and, you know, it, it, it was something that could have, I guess, put a, um, you know, could have led to the project not being as successful as it, as it was then. Uh, because ultimately, if you've not got the buy-in from the staff, then, you know, this does not work um, and, and it cannot sort of get to the point that it has with us about, you know, delivering the benefits that we that we anticipated. But now coming back to your question, Paul, you know, in terms of selling it to the rest of the organisation, it's much easier now, of course, because we have that sort of um, project in, in the lottery um, administration team, you know, that we can demonstrate the success. And I think the the big thing for us, you know, we, we do an annual staff conference and, you know, at the last staff conference back in October, um, we, we had that particular member of staff in the lottery team delivering a presentation and on, on the project, you know, she was heavily involved throughout, but, but not just in her experience during the project, what her role now looks like and how it differs perhaps from what it did before. And essentially, you know, I'm sure we'll come on to that later on, but, you know, her role being able to, 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 to do those added value activities then that she couldn't do previously. So I think the sales of the organisation more, you know, more widely now is a lot easier. And I think, you know, seeing what it's done for that department is, you know, has, has put a bit more ambition then in other teams to say, okay, how can that improve how we do things and free us to do, free us, uh, to do other things in in our line of work. You know, I think just to add on to that, James, I think there's a bit of a friendly rivalry even now going on between departments and, and staff members, isn't there? I think there's people can see the results um, and what's happening within the team and people see what, what uh, that staff member 
has achieved in that lottery uh, program. And as a result, they've actually been, they have a new role within the charity, which is a, a, a promotion of sorts. Um, so they've, they've seen how, what impact they're having for them personally and for the supporters within the lottery. Um, so now HR are actually sort of right, fighting for their chance to get involved with RPA because they see how they do a lot of manual stuff, which for staff onboarding, which needs to be sort of automated to free up their time. And the accounts and, and uh, the individual giving team also know that you know they're wasting so much time now by, you know, they, they, we have the same issues that every charity does, of course, reconciling the CRM to the bank statements to make sure income all matches, et cetera. And when you look at it and you really think about it, and when people see the success of the success of the lottery department, they can see, oh, well, I want some of that. You know, I want to do some meaningful work because people don't want to be, you know, sat doing data entry or just laborious tasks like that. They want to be having some impact at work, right? They want to go home thinking they've made a difference that day. And I think we're, we're doing that now in the lottery and every single person in the charity wants to have a bite of that cherry. So, yeah, there's a bit of a, there's a, bit of a race to, to capture some of that uh, Avato content and RPA content for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just I'm reflecting on the 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 sort of the the, the way that you know RPA had a, a real heyday in the, the in the environment I used to work in had a real heyday sort of six seven years ago where everyone was talking about it. It was exactly that point about fear, and I imagine a lot of our attendees today, sort of six years down the line, are having that same conversation again because there's such a big noise in the in the in the marketplace about AI and the role that that's playing and everything from the entertainment and the film industry, the writer's strike in the, the America at the moment is all to do with the, the interve- intervention of AI and the threat that has to, to jobs. So it seems to be cyclical. But there was this point in the middle called COVID where we all sort of went, we don't really care about that stuff. And now we're sort of starting to, to sort of see it feeding back in. So it's really interesting to see the cycles happening. And so James, uh, other than there was a, obviously a great impact on staff, there was a great impact on um, teams being able to, to sort of look at the success and deliver on uh, uh, you know, getting excited about the way that they could use it in their own teams. What else has happened as a result of having the, the technology embedded in the organisation? Yeah, so, so I guess that the four core benefits then, um, the project, the results then that's delivered for us, you know, we, we, we could categorise it in full categories. So we've got time savings. So, so you know, we, we knew that through automation, we could reduce the number of, you know, um, hours then that the team have to put in to administer the lottery, essentially. So, you know, whilst we knew that would be a benefit, obviously trying to, to get an understanding of just how much time could be saved, you know, at the very start of the project was quite challenging. Um, but what we did see, and then of course you you know make, you make assumptions at the start of the project. We looked at different processes and how much each of those processes took up in terms of time, and and what we've ended up with in, in a sort of general um, view is is forty percent um, less hours then committed to to the sort of day to day tasks compared to previous. So it's forty percent saving on time effectively, you know, and that's through you know. The, the automation of various reports, so reduction in time spent on, you know, we had many daily reports, batch reports for argument's sake, you know, importing and adding new members to, to the to the database and to the draw. Mm-hmm. Um, we had membership cancellations were very manual, so you had to go into, you know, and with a 145,000 database, membership database, you know, in, inevitably you're going to get quite a significant number of cancellations week to week. 
very manual process, but through that automation, that's probably a half day a week back to the business just in that one single process. Um, and, and that leads me on to the second area, really. So, you know, added resilience, we touched on it earlier on. Um, but when we when we looked at this and the reliance on key individuals within the lottery team and that lack of resilience, we have looked at ways in which we don't just automate what we do previously, but looked at some of the processes and, and, and sort of question ourselves, you know, as Mark said earlier, sitting down with, um, with, with Mike and the Avata team to say, okay, which of these processes do we simply automate and replicate? Which do we actually look at and think, could we do it better? Could we do it differently? And, and the resilience piece, you know, we, we not, you know, we, we're not going to be in a position where we can train up, you know, uh, 10, 20 members of staff all on that system. It just wouldn't work. It wouldn't be feasible. So what we thought was, well, is there, are there things happening or, or needing to be done on the system that otherwise could be done on a, a digital form? So somebody doesn't have to be logged into the system, doesn't have to be trained on the system. And, and one area we looked at was cancellation. So we developed with Avato a digital form that effectively our business services team um, who, who are taking, you know, the vast majority of the calls and emails for cancellations, they're able to type in the membership details into there and the robot picks that up um, and, and effectively act, actions that on the system. So what that does, you know, it, it saves a bit of time to the organisation, but it also reduces that workload on, on the key members of staff in the lottery team. So there's a sort of... Um, you know, two benefits to that, really. So, um, you know, there are other areas which, you know, we've done a similar exercise with and, and sort of taken work that was previously done by the lottery team and been able to to allocate it elsewhere just to spread that that workload, really, um, and add that resilience. The the third category or the third area of, of benefit has been the cost saving. So, again, talked earlier on about the, the new members' letters, you know, that we, we used to send every week, just switching to email, um, and I would say about 80% of our new members now we send we send emails to. That's a, a rough saving of about £20,000 per annum. Um, aside from obviously the, the environmental benefits of, of moving to email as well. So, you know, that that one, you know, when we looked at the project, when we were sitting down with Mike at the start and sort of, you know, looking at the business case and, you know, be, being a, you know, a, a person in finance then obviously interested in the financial benefits of this and obviously that was a quite a, an easy sell straight away if we could deliver on you know moving from letters to, to emails and not in that process lose any any of the um, sort of charity you know branding and the, the the look and feel of that communication which we'd had in the past you know sometimes you can move to a different mode of communication but it might not look and feel um, as it should in terms of you know alignment with the charity branding. Um, so so yeah, that was the the third year we read around cost saving. Um, and as I say, the the letters to emails was the big one um, there. And and the last bit then really, and again, you know, Mark touched on it earlier on was around value added activities. So it's you know you can save time, you know you can add more time back into the business, but unless that's been utilised, you know, and that's you know that's actually being um, being utilized well 
you're not really getting any any real benefit. Um, so what we've looked at is is improving our engaging, uh, sorry, sorry, our onboarding process. Um, so having that as a more engaging process, looking at you know thank you videos going out to to supporters, different stages of their membership journeys, all with I guess the aim of you know improving the stewardship of that supporter, improving their experience, you know really demonstrating to them the difference of their um you know subscription is making and ultimately you know you know from the charities you know sort of long-term strategy perspective we're looking to reduce that attrition level um you know we had a lot of members that would sign up and, and leave within the first six months so really trying to to have that wider impact then on our finances long term um so so yeah that's the sort of four categories really where we saw the you know the, the main benefits and results So many benefits, many um, many things that this uh, platform can can help you with, and and an RPA can help with. So, Mike, I guess um, some of our attendees might be thinking, well, I'd quite like some of those benefits within our organisation. How can they get started with um, automation and AI? Yeah, okay. I mean, um, automation—it's not just a passing fad. It, it's here to stay, and it's going to continue to grow rapidly with the. With new innovations in artificial intelligence, machine learning, Internet of Things, and virtual assistants. Um, also, just think around you, you don't have to be a big company to invest in automation. We've got smaller clients who are, who are reaping the benefits of it. Um, and the way we approached it, and we approached with, um, with Wales Air Ambulance, we, we have a consultancy approach, um, and this is to um, deliver impact and opportunity assessments of a, a business operating model for intelligence automation delivery. <coughs> delivery excuse me. This includes a free no obligation workshop um, to assess and understand an organization's end-to-end -end processes, their business challenges, what technology they use, um, and, and ultimately at the end of that, we produce a report which outlines um, what automation opportunities um, there are within the business and decide whether we want to go down the um, a proof of concept route to show automation within the organization. Um, and the, the idea of a proof of concept is ultimately to demonstrate the capabilities of, of automation and the benefit it can deliver. Um, we do have a, an in-depth knowledge of the different technologies out there, processes and specific industries. Um, and this means we do know where to implement intelligence automation to bring the most value and help organizations to achieve strategic objectives. Um, we also like to, we, we understand ourselves, you can't automate everything, um, but if you can automate a percentage of a process, that would still bring benefits to, to a business. Exciting, I really like that kind of bite-sized approach and really learning as as you go Mike that sounds really sensible um so yeah I, I, I mean sorry, just go on, Mike, yeah no just uh, just to add on to that as well as is when we think around it and we we understand you can't automate everything as well as you you've also got to consider within your your processes the emotional intelligence that humans can offer um and that's really key. What we're trying to do is we're trying to remove the mundane repetitive tasks and free up you, um, your workforce to actually offer that sympathetic or the empathetic um, 
answers to, to, to customers and queries. So really working with the technology there and working like can partner it and really show how the humans, as it were, in the process really add value. Excellent. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, so James and Mark, congratulations, because your partnership with Avato has been shortlisted for the Digital Technologies Leaders Award. Well done. Um, and that's for the category of Best Not-for-Profit Digital Project. Very exciting news. So there'll be listeners we've got here today who'll be thinking, oh, yes, I'd, I'd, I'd really like to start moving forward in this area. How can you make emerging tech a, a part of your digital transformation because one of the things I'm hearing about a lot at the moment from my conversations with organizations is well how do you get the maximum value from this stuff and and what does success look like James do you have any thoughts on that it's a good question and and I guess you know we're we're not a large charity we don't have you know a team dedicated to, to this area so I think the first step for us was just sort of uh, you know, t- taking a step back then and looking what's out there, looking looking at you know what the the art the possible is, and I think you know to do that properly, you need to find you know the right partnerships. You need you need to speak to the right people. You need to to have those experts in the field then able to you know to to explain what what the tech can do um, and 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 what benefit it can bring. I think you know for us, you know as as a business, when we looked at you know, uh, uh, ourselves and, and thought, okay, well, where where do we find that we are sort of behind the times then? You know, where are we doing a lot of manual process? Where are we perhaps still doing what we did 10, 15 years ago? And I really focused in on those areas. And then, you know, when we looked at that and thought, well, you know, are there, is there tech out there that can help, you know, either automate or transform what we do? Are there organizations out there that, that can support with that um as i say we had some problems when we tried as a sort of standalone you know team then and looked at how we could improve our existing systems but then you don't have to necessarily change your system you just need the right tech to overlay onto that and then and, and to to work with that and the team so so i would say definitely finding um you know finding that right partnership and speaking to the right people and of course, speaking to other charities, speaking to other you know organisations that have a similar issue to fix, or a similar you know, lots of organisations will have you know similar processes when it comes to you know whether it's finance, HR, you know, a lot of the support departments, support functions, and you know we're fortunate in the charity sector, of course, as well that you know the, the sector generally you know charities are happy to support one another and and, and speak to one another and, and you know where where you know we're, we're here today obviously to talk about the the benefits that we we've seen from this digital transformation project and i hope it you know can inspire others to, to go away and look at their own processes and you know obviously welcome any um any sort of discussions with partners um you know charity or otherwise on the call um on on perhaps you know how it could benefit them but but really it's about understanding you know where you can benefit what processes and speaking to the right people in in that sort of um in that space which which of course our first step really was to to reach out and speak with Avato and and I remember the first conversation it wasn't you know that we had decided you know we were definitely going ahead with digital transformation or we were definitely using Avato or we definitely going down the route of automation it was that very much a, an exploratory exercise to see how it could benefit us and to see, you know, was lottery our, you know, that process, 
was that the right place for us to start? Was that the right place for the automation or, you know, any transformation activities? Um, you know, we are now looking, as we've, we've talked about earlier on, about other areas of the business, you know, such as HR and, you know, the process within that and how it can benefit that area. But but also, you know, we're looking to, to try and build that internal uh, sort of centre of excellence. Now that we understand the benefits, you know, whilst we you know the, the the bigger process the bigger projects you know probably needs the the input of the likes of avata we do recognize that there are smaller projects smaller processes that perhaps we can automate through our own staff being trained up in in the the rpa uh, the application of rpa um so that's underway we've got two members of staff now that are just finishing their training and, and the beauty is you know they're now able to to sort of observe what avata are doing with our HR process and be involved in that project to eventually make us sort of self-sufficient and able to look at, you know, really rolling this out more mainstream across across other smaller areas of the business then. I think there's so many um, good points in there, James. I think there's, you talked about what, um, speaking to the right people. I think when we were talking about our lottery processes, I think uh, our, our initial, before we spoke to Avato, our plans were, right, we're going to have to add more resilience. We're going to have to hire an additional staff member to support in this area and, and give them other functions. So we were almost going to be trapped in this infinite loop of just producing the same work by adding more staff there rather than kind of automating it and 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 freeing up that staff member to do better things. So um, I do think it's a matter of just having a different mindset when you're approaching this and really sort of thinking, um, not transactionally, but transformationally you know and, and really sort of come at it from a different viewpoint and you need to have that sit down meeting in a in a safe space in a in a, in a discussion in a proper format to say right yeah okay step step, step by step this is the processes we follow we need to we need to get uh, smarter with these or, or this or that so that is definitely the, the most powerful thing i think that we undertook in our process great stuff um and before we get to uh, those questions, as you said, James, I'm sure some of our attendees might have some questions uh, for, for you, hopefully. Um, and we might have covered this a little bit because we did delve into it earlier on in the conversation. But just um, for, for listeners to, to take something away, what are your top tips for getting buy-in from colleagues? You talked about nervousness and how to overcome that within the organisation. But what are your, your top tips, things that you've uh, taken away from this? Yeah, I mean, it, we've we've touched on you know that that key individual in the lottery team, that SME, if you like, that you know was apprehensive at first, and 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 I guess you know without fully understanding, you know, you have to be able to fully understand, you know, what what it means, what what RPA is, what what we're actually looking to achieve here, because uh, if you fail to communicate that, you know, obviously to the staff involved, then you lose that trust and you lose that sort of buy-in. Um, so I think. You know, being open and transparent, you know, really involving them from the very start in the project. So this isn't something that's sort of happening in the background, you know, and being developed by Avato and then sort of dropped in, you know, three, six months later and, and, and there's your solution. It's very much that member of staff or that team who are the experts on these systems and these processes, them being involved really from the outset discussing meeting with with Avato weekly calls and and really really you know critical to the whole success of the project um you know it, it's not you know it's it's time consuming to get set up in the sense that you know 
in this case, you know, a staff member, you know, was taking a screenshot and really articulating what the processes were and explaining them to Avato and then obviously having that two-way conversation about what, you know, the automation might look like and, you know, how they could replicate things. But, you know, absolutely make sure that they're involved, um, you know, and, and if they're involved, they can see the benefits, the, you know, that they understand that, then, you know, you, you should very much get more buy-in from them. And I think, you know, the, the long-term picture as well is important. So, you know, we've talked about, you know, the benefits that the project is, has, has brought about, but I think for those staff members involved, they need to understand, okay, if they're going to save, you know, 40% of their, their time each week, they need, they need to understand then, well, what, what are they going to be doing long-term? What, what is that timing filled with, you know, and, and really get sort of rid of those, you know, um, and, you know, the anxiousness around, you know, potentially losing, you know, work, losing hours and, and, and not having that full-time role anymore. So, you know, we try, you know, our best to do that from the start and, and keep that, keep that communication, um, you know, open throughout the process. And, um, and yeah, we've, we've, We've now, you know, we've now got a, a person in the organisation that can sort of speak on behalf then and speak from personal um, experiences about, you know, what, what the role, her role has um, benefited from this, which is great. On reflection, I think we could come at it from a little bit more of a coaching standpoint and have a bit of a growth mindset with it and by um, having that discussion with the staff member and saying, rather than saying, this is our plans, uh, what do you think about this and how can we do it? it they're immediately potentially on that back foot because they have those um, preconceived ideas of what RPA is about taking jobs away. But instead, we could have just come at it and say, right, you are the expert. What do you think you could do better with your time that would help improve our retention rates and all, all the other good stuff that we need to do? And she knew, she knew exactly, she had great ambition. She had loads of plans of what she would like to do, but she could never get around to doing it. So I think on reflection, just coming at it from that point of view and saying, right, what can we do differently in an ideal world if you had more time? And then we can maybe look at, right, how can we implement RPA to enable us to achieve these fantastic, you know, um, value added work rather than that mundane, um, you know, data entry work. The only other thing I, I, I'd add, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, the, the staff members involved and, you know, when we talk about buy-in, ultimately, you know, for a project like this, you know, that needs, you know, an upfront investment, there is a cost associated to get it set up and, and you know, up and running. So you do need buy-in from, you know, whether it be, you know, board level or otherwise. So I think for us, it was important that our sort of five-year strategy had a strong emphasis on, um, digital technology. Um, so, so this was one area, I feel like, of the wider strategy on, on digital and tech, and and having that buy-in from the start on, on you know, on the principle of of, of exploring uh, digital and how it can benefit our business was important um, to begin with. We don't have a, you know, there aren't sort of many on our board that have, you know, a lot of experience and a lot of expertise in this area. So there was a bit of work to be done there as well. And, you know, looking at the business case and really being able to demonstrate why this was the right move for the charity to make and why it made sense to spend um, spend funds on, on this area. Um, so I think, you know, as long as the, the, the work is done at that point as well to, to demonstrate to the board and, or otherwise, you know, you should, you should get that buy-in. But I think it's important to have, you know, as an organization generally just to have that buy-in around 
your digital tech strategy. Um, because I think if it's if it's too piecemeal and going to, you know, for us, if we'd gone to a board without sort of a wider digital and tech strategy, then I think it might have been a little bit, you know, a bit alien to to the way the organization has has operated in the past and and maybe wouldn't have had the buy-in that we did have. Yeah. The only other thing to add in um, on that one, you know, we talk about what other charities can do. And I think there's a lot of charities have the same pinch points, you know, and I think there's, there's we, for us, the most important uh, thing that came out of our discussion with about it was, of course, the lottery process, which was that uh, had to take priority. Um, but, you know, like I, like we talked about the other areas of the business now that are raising their hands and saying we need support. We, we want to do this good work by uh, implementing some RPA. I think every other charity has got, you know, a myriad of third-party platforms, Facebook giving, Just Giving, Enthuse. There's, I reckon there's around 20, 20 to 30 different platforms that are out there that people are using. And there's so much, so much data and all the reports are different and trying to, you know, collate all those reports, devise an import profile to import them to a centralized CRM system um, to report on that and to segment it. It's all such time-consuming stuff. Um, and yes, there's software out there that can sort of maybe batch parts of it, uh, but it's still a bit of a kind of manual process along that way. So that's our kind of, um, such an easy win, I think for for RPA, you know, it's just, you can potentially get it working. So you can even remove the need for that whole import process. So the RPA can just import it overnight directly from source. Um, so there's, there's huge areas for development that we have in mind. And ultimately, I think our goal is to implement something along the lines of like a propensity modeling system where, you know, if we can utilize that to, to showcase us rather than us manually sort of segmenting our audience for marketing purposes, we should be able to eventually get to a point where we can say, right, from our, from our database of X number of thousand, this is our cohort of people who are likely to engage with us for this appeal or this product at this time of year. I think that's going to be a, a huge uh, milestone for us to get to in the future. Yeah, that's where it's going to get really exciting, isn't it? Um, so with all of this is exciting work in train, I mean, where would you like to be, say, two years from now, you continue down this track, using all this emerging tech, you've already seen some great benefits. Where would you like to be if I can wave my magic wand? I, I think other than the propensity modeling system, I think there's, um, there's, that's, that's a huge thing, you know, because I think this, the, the software out there that you can use at the moment for that is quite pricey. Okay. It is quite expensive. Um, you know, if we can have something in house ourselves that's designed around us and around our nuances, uh, that would be fantastic. And I think that would just save us such a huge amount of money in all our marketing. We can have a much more targeted response. So the ROI is much better. Um, that would be huge. And I think for, for me, looking at the staff engagement, looking for staff morale and, and um, staff buying for, for our lottery department, that's skyrocketed. You know, they're so much more engaged. They're so much happier in their work. I think where I'd like to be if we're having this process in place to really alleviate, alleviate the kind of mundane, boring day-to-day -day tasks that are associated with many different jobs. Every job has an element of it. But if we can minimize it, you know, and have people doing much more value-added tasks and, and uh, uh, much more engaging work, I think we'll see a workforce which is trans you know, miles away from where we are today. And, and just, just to flip that question onto the other side and where would you want to be in two years' time, um, as a solution provider, what new technology will be available in 
two years' time because tech is growing at pace. I mean, ChatGPT's just come out. Who knows what's going to be available in the next six months? It's just a, a an, an ever-growing um, area, and, and the new technology could help organisations. I think that's such a great point, Mike. I mean, do you have any advice for organisations here today where they might be saying, how on earth do I keep on top of all these new tools that are coming on stream and all these new developments? Yeah, so, so I mean, we're, we're just, we constantly look at new technologies and, and where they can fit into the business and deliver um, not only benefits, but also what our strategic objectives are. Um, so any technology that comes out, whether it's OCR, whether it's human in the loop, assisted automation, chat, GPT, we, we are constantly monitoring and getting involved in projects to introduce them. When we introduce them to a client, we don't just do it specific to that client. We'll share that success then around our existing client base, but also any new potential clients that we've got, we bring that new technology to the table. Really good. Sounds like a really holistic approach. Um, James, have you got any thoughts on where you'd like to see things going over the next couple of years? Yeah, I mean, briefly earlier on about sort of building that internal type of excellence, and I think that's something that we need to develop. Um, you know, further, we're, we're still you know fairly young in that in that journey. Um, we have two members of staff that hopefully will be in a position where they can start to, to sort of work with other departments, work with other sort of um, department heads to look at various of the business and then advise. So, so, you know, I think, you know, from where we've come from, you know, from a position where, you know, we have very little expertise in the business and, and, and previous to this strategy, we weren't really looking and exploring what technology was out there. We were, in a sense, we were very reactive to, um, you know, so if we if we had a problem or if we, you know, saw a system wasn't working for us, we would automatically, you know, go to, to, to look at replacing that system. I think the extra tool we have in our armory now, you know, looking at that wider digital transformation piece and particularly RPA technology enables us to, to really work with those individuals in the business and also Vato just to see, well, is that the right answer? You know, is the right answer to automate or is it to change the system or is it to change how we do things? Is it to, you know, to, to, to outsource things? I think it's just that mindset that we have, that we now have in the business and, and buy in across, um, across the senior management team and, and, and the board really. But I think, you know, it's important that we continue um, our partnership with Avato and continue to to work with them to look at emerging technologies because you know we are still I mentioned it earlier on you know we're we're a charity that has just over 100 staff um, you know we don't have you know a, a large team looking at emerging tech you know and, and and have got experience in it so you know we would be foolish to think that we could you know continue on this journey without sort of expert advisors in the field so I think you know that's something that is exciting you know see where it takes us and and as Mike said you know it's hard to predict where we'll be in in in, in two years time but I think certainly utilizing technology we've already implemented with the lottery within other areas of the business and having those two individuals internally really developing this for us that's great really interesting Sorry, go on, Paul. The only other thing I was going to to add is obviously um, 
you know, you've got your finance director on this conversation, but um, it, the title of our podcast is Starts at the Top. And when we were talking about putting a podcast together a few years ago, that's what Zoe and I were talking about is this, this starts at the top. If you're not getting that um, example set by the senior team, senior leadership. So just a final, final question, I guess, is is just, you know, uh, how do you manage that, that sort of, um, uh, and, and gain that support from leaders. And you talked about the, um, the, the board and trustees as well. Um, top tip for, for, for getting onto the, onto the radar of the, of the, um, the top team, top table. Good question. I think off the back of a strategic review, we, off the back of that, we came up with nine different programs, essentially, of which digital, digital and tech was one of those. What we decided to do that at that point in time was assign at least one member of our board to each program, who would, would effectively, you know, would effectively be the um, the most have the most experience in that field. So we've got you know a diverse um, you know mix of skills and experience and expertise on our board. So we were fortunate in that we had somebody on our board that had some. Um, I say some. It's to a dis- discredit there. He, a lot of experience in. In, in digital um, and I think having him involved in digital and tech and inputting into that sort of strategy and the objectives off the back of it allowed us to have that inroad in then to, to the wider board so it became more of a priority it became a, um, a more significant agenda item then um, but ultimately you know it, it can be discussed at the board but if the business case isn't there it, it's not going to get the the buy-in that it needs. So, you know, we, we did a lot of work with that trustee and and, and also with with Avata to understand how how will we really see the the results of this? What's the ROI look like? What does it mean for our staff? And and putting together that rounded picture um of, of what it will deliver. Um so so yeah, I I, I would say get get somebody you know, in the senior team, heavily involved in that area of the strategy, if you already haven't, um, and, and really build on that business case. There's case studies out there now as well, isn't there, that, Mike, you've yeah. used before and, and with us. And I think there's a lot of content that people can use. And as James alluded to earlier, I've never worked in the sector anywhere else where, where you know, the amount of collaboration is so high. So I think that you can always reach out and get um you know, get some responses from other people who have been on that journey and, you know, learn the lessons that we've learned. And uh, even sort of, we've had experiences where people come and ask us to join a meeting and explain this journey to the senior management team, which we've done before as well, to support others. So, yeah, just reach out to others. I think as, as well, just to add on to what James said uh, and what you were saying, Paul, uh, is it's, it's communication is key to bringing in any technology. It's the most important point. And whether that starts at the top with your key stakeholders or whether it starts further down the chain, I think one of the things that we've done, and we will always do this within um, an initial meeting, is we met with the CEO of Wales Air Ambulance, we met with the head of fundraising, Mark, we met with the finance director, but we actually had the employees in there who live and breathe these processes in because they need to be part of that communication as well. So, yes, it is buying from the top because they're the people who are going to obviously sign off the, the budget to, to move forward. But you've got to build that trusted partnership and you've got to work with everybody from the top level down. Perfect. Thank you. Great way to um, to finish up. And um, hopefully we can give our 
attendees uh, a couple of minutes if they are signed up to something at one o'clock. Um, quick loo break um, by finishing early. So thank you so much to James, Mark and Mike for coming on to Starts at the Top and sharing their advice on how you make emerging tech part of your digital transformation. If you'd like to find out more, I'm sure um, uh, Avato and uh, the team for, from Wales Air Ambulance would be more than happy to have a conversation with you. So uh, we'll make sure that we share details of how to get in touch with them. Um, and we will um, include more info on how you connect, connect with them in the show notes for this um, uh, episode, which we'll be launching over the next uh, week or two. To make sure you get the episode and subscribe to um, Starts at the Top, Zoe and I would love to see you all again, is um, just search for Starts at the Top on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. And in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. We're at Starts at the Top 1. And you can also email us at Starts at the Top at gmail.com. Thank you very much to all of you. Thank you so much to everyone for coming. And thank you to our amazing panel. Yes, thank you. Thank you all.